Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. It is a choice that I make every day to be really good. Not good at things that I do, but to be a really good person. Suzanne Mushin. And I'm Rachel Bello. And you're listening to the Big Payoff Podcast. So today we're talking about work and your soul. You know, it's funny that we're talking about this today because I got this call from my younger daughter who's in graduate school for social work. And she really loves helping people. And lo- that's why she's in the social work school. But she's now recognizing that it's actually a job, a career, right? <laughs> right. Paid. And not like I get sent out to just, you know, help people. Anyway, and plus it's not a lot of money. And she loves fashion, always had and had a long fantasy of being in the fashion world, but hated the whole scene and the people and everything. So she's very torn now that things are getting real. Sure. And she's sort of going back and forth between, well, maybe I could be a stylist and maybe, I, I don't know. And I was just thinking to myself, I didn't say this, so I'm glad we're talking about it, and then I can just center the tape and not deal with the reaction. <laughs> um, That's some good parenting right there. Yeah. The, Podcast like, parenting. Those aren't mutually exclusive. You actually can have a job that you really like, and you get a lot from, and you get better and better at, and you do something else on the side. What's so interesting about this conversation is we're questioning things that we've said, I even think maybe on this show before about following your passion. You know, there's this whole cliche around, you know, do what you love and the money will follow. But I think we're rethinking that yeah. and asking a different question, which is, do you have to get all of that soul fulfillment from your job? And even in this world in which Eden, your daughter, the millennial generation does have different expectations of their job. They want their job to be fulfilling. But I don't know, Rachel, if that means that their job has to fill their soul. I know. And, you know, if I look back on my career, it's it's so hopscotchy, you know, from philanthropy to venture capital, like all over the place. And I look at it and go, oh, this is a woman who thought that the job had to do it all. And when it didn't, she went to another you know, really almost career. I had like eight careers. And I look back on that and go, you know, and I actually, Suzanne, I yeah. remember something that a guy told me years and years ago. He must have been maybe 40 or 50 at the time, and I was 20. Did he, he seem so ancient, old? Ancient, right, ancient. ancient. 
But the fact that I remember this is really significant. He said to me, we were talking about my job and I must have been saying something about like, oh, it's great or I really like it. And he said, Rachel, let me just tell you, if you get into your 50s and the rest of your life without having some kind of pursuit that feeds your soul, and for him, he's a conductor on the side and a college president in his main life. He said, for me, it's creative. And he actually did think it had to be something creative. He said, if you don't have that, you will feel like you've got an ashtray inside your Oof. heart. Oh. Yeah. And I remember just going, whatever, I'm doing really well <laughs> in my job. I think that the question that I grappled with when we started thinking about this topic was what the signs are that you're not getting that soul fulfillment. Well, one is this sort of restlessness that isn't about not learning enough, and it isn't actual unhappiness. It's just a feeling of restlessness. You know, I have to just interrupt ourselves and say, you know what this conversation reminds me of? What? The conversation that women have after a while when they're married and they go, like, maybe my husband doesn't have to fulfill everything. Maybe my friends. And then you think, like, but there's this period where you go, oh, no. Yeah. I'm done. And then you go, well, but it actually is true that the older you get, the expectations become more expansive. You realize not one thing can do it. Right. And it's as we get older, we find ourselves spending time, whether it's with people or in a craft, where when you're doing that thing, you just have this different feeling. You lose track of time. You're willing to spend time on something. I mean, for me, as you know, it's about reading Torah and, and my sort of fantasy that I should have become a rabbi. When I'm studying and in that zone, even if it's late at night and I lose track of time. Well, it doesn't, it doesn't feel like work at all. No. And even as much as we love our work, it always feels like work. Right. And here's the other thing. It's so not about money. Right. It's almost never. In fact, it isn't about money. And that's why I'm loving the fact that we're about to have Ikram Goldman in the studio. So Ikram, for anyone who, I don't know, gets dressed, anyone who gets up in the morning and puts clothing on should know Ikram. Ikram Goldman is um, on the surface, she owns a store in Chicago. But that would be like saying, you know, uh, Rachel, you um, talk for a living. That was a compliment. Actually, that's that's pretty but much But that was a compliment. Truth. Thank you. you. Should say thank thank you. you. You're welcome. Um, she's so much deeper than that. She is an influencer in the fashion industry like almost no one else. She dressed Michelle Obama. She influences up-and-coming designers. So Ikram and I have done a lot of talking about you know her career and, and what it takes to be her in the world and all of that. But recently she had an experience that she's going to talk to us about. That was so earth shattering to her because it occurred outside of her day job. Earth shattering in a good way. Yes. Yeah. And woke her up to this need that she didn't even know she had and realized. Mom is woke. Yes. She is woke. Yeah. And the need that she has was so profound that she realized it was living at the level of her soul. And so she's going to come on in a minute and, and talk to us about that. And I think 
I don't know what she's going to say because with Ekram, you kind of never, never really know what to expect. Thank God we are not somewhere where swear words are going to be bleeped out because she just goes at it. But she's going to talk about her soul, and I, I can't wait to hear I it. I cannot wait to hear it because she's just one of the most interesting people in the world. Yep. So let's bring on Ekram. So we now have Ikram in the studio. Hi, thank you for having me. Oh, I'm so we've been wanting to have you on for a long time. <laughs> Welcome. Thank but you. the irony is is that we I think we wanted to have you on for something completely different. Right. And I don't even know what it was. It was more about your passion for what you do and how you make other people feel when they come into your store. So we're talking about something pretty different today. Right. So before we get into that. For We gave a little introduction of you, but for people who are not either in the world of fashion or outside of Chicago, just tell us what you do in, in the biggest sense of what you do. <laughs> so um, I, uh, I own a boutique in Chicago called Ikram. I um, wardrobe people from head to toe in uh, high-end uh, runway looks that they would sometimes think is that what they would think is outrageous sometimes translates to actual work clothes um, when it's dissected from runway to Ikram. And um, I have um, earned the trust of many, many women who now um, solely rely on us and my staff to wardrobe them in all their needs from head to toe, from their day to evening. Um, we've dressed everyone from the, you know, from the little girls who are doing a cotillion to, um, you know, uh, celebrities to moms to Michelle Obama. Michelle Obama. <laughs> you weren't going to say it. I thought I would. And to, and beyond that, what you do inside the four walls of your store, you also are part of the fashion world. And right. what's that about? And so the fashion world is at one point when I first started working um, in this industry, it was when a was very. That um, I started working um, for a small boutique on Oak Street, probably in the mid '80s. It was called um, Clown, and it was a children's clothing store, and it was my favorite clothing store for kids. And I. Um, and I loved it because all my life I dreamt as a kid, I grew up in Israel and I would dress up my dolls and I dreamt of having a store that was for kids. And then I realized as I got older, I actually really love the other side of fashion, which is high end women's clothing. And I went and applied for a position at Ultimo on Oak Street, where Joan Weinstein, who is the owner, became my mentor. And uh, we worked together for about six 16, 17, 18 years before she passed away. And so this has been your life for a long time. Yes. And what I know of your store and walking in is it's this all-consuming experience. You have a cafe upstairs. It's a lifestyle. You walk in from the way people make you feel when you walk in the door. And that's been your world, that, and then the world you just described outside of fashion. And so you're in that. I'm assuming you work all the time. I do. And did you, were you walking around feeling like maybe something was missing? Or no. were you just 
no, no, going no. about your life. No. And here's the, here's the thing that I don't want it to ever be a misconception. What I do, I am extremely passionate about. I mm-hmm. love it. I love it so much. I love it so much. I can't even translate what that love would feel like if I didn't have what I do. But I also love my children with a passion. I love my husband with a passion. I love my friends with a passion. I love to cook with a passion. And so I think the passion is not pigeonholed to one area or one thing. It's just, it springs. And when it springs, where does it go? And for me, the idea of being able to do all these things that I love to do, whatever they are, and they can um, be in the restaurant, for example, where I sat very closely with my chef and I said, here are the things that I want. And he's like, wait, I thought you wanted couture clothes, I mean, couture food. And I said, I do want couture food, a hamburger couture and <laughs> hamburger f- and French fries couture. Like, like that doesn't mean we can't do it and still have it taste delicious, but it all came from a very, from a passion. And so when this, you know, when, when, when new things come about, I don't take them lightly. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. For those of you who don't know, Pink Martini is a band from Portland um, founded by Thomas Lauderdale who decided he wanted to get a bunch of um, musicians um, and do multicultural, um, eclectic um, music um, basically anything from the 60s and back, nothing, nothing new. Um, and a lot of like he'll do Japanese songs or he's done a Japanese album or he's done a uh, French (laughs) releases and um, but what I really love about Thomas is that um, his his ability to bring people together through music and his and his understanding that you can actually say a lot more through music than just music itself. So let's talk about the new thing. The new things, yeah. So as I understand it, um, you met this group of people. So you met China Forbes of Pink Martini and Thomas. Mm-hmm. And what happened? So was that a 
meeting that was just social? How did it happen? So um, our friend Kim Hastrider, who's the editor of Paper, Paper Magazine, who's one of the most extraordinary women I've ever met in my life. She searches, she finds the most quality, most extraordinary, most creative people in the world, really and truly. And again, it can be artists or foodies or writers or musicians. She was having a birthday party, and she invited Josh and um, me to New York, and she sat me next to Thomas Lauderdale. And at the time, I was sitting, um, and we sat there, and we fell in love. Thomas and I fell in love. We talked, and he was a, he's a, he was um he was all over the place because that's what his head is like. He would talk about everything and anything. And I truly couldn't keep up. It was one of those conversations where I actually had to bring in the troops. I had to bring in Ari Shapiro, who was sitting right next to us, and my husband, Josh. And and um, and we left and that night, and I started to... You know, and I've always followed Pink Martini because I love the music. We listen to it at home. But when they came to concert to Chicago, I hosted a private dinner for them at our house. It was... I'm sorry, at the store. It was a, a midnight dinner in the treehouse, in the cafe. And it was a dinner where we had the band and we had uh, some friends and they sat around and they sang every song except for a real proper Arabic song. And I thought, this is this is weird like this is odd and i and i thought they they have everything covered so so they were singing global music they were singing global music that, by their definition by their definition but because of where you come from you noticed the, that there wasn't the, any Arabic okay. songs, specifically from Fairuz, who's a very famous um, Arabic singer that I've followed since I was a baby. Like, that's all I listen to. That's all I know. And uh, we, I, the dinner was over that night. And then um, about a year later, I went to see them in concert in Colorado and, because I was there. And I... I after the concert, I said to Thomas, you know, how come you don't play Fairuz? And I played a f- song very flippantly to him, and he shook his head. Had he heard of Fairuz? Of course. Yeah. He yeah. knows Fairuz. He loves Fairuz. Um, and he f- said flippantly, oh, yeah, it sounds exciting. I don't hear from him for five years. And five get, years? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I talked to him. We spoke all along, but okay. I didn't hear from him about a song wow. or singing an Arabic song for about five years. And so... Um, I get a call in April from Thomas, and he said, oh, what are you doing on two weekends, this June and this date in June? And I said, well, I'm, I'm available. What, what do you need? Are you guys going, are you coming to Chicago? You know, do you want to get together? And he said, no, I need you to fly to Portland, and I would like for you to assist in backup singing on a couple of songs in, on the album. And I also would love for you to help train mm. Ari Shapiro and China Forbes on a couple of songs that are going on in the album for dialect and language. and That were Arabic songs. That were Arabic songs. Wow. And wow, what an honor. Like, that's quite extraordinary. And so I went to Portland and... Um, Ari Shapiro, because he has a Jewish background and he can speak Hebrew fluently, it was very easy for him to pick up the Arabic dialect and he was able to say the all the really hard um, sounds that... Give um, us an example. <sighs> uh, 
<laughs> Rachel would be good. So was he singing or was he He was singing. Speaking? He was mm-hmm. singing uh, a he song. He can sing? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Ari Shapiro is on a few of their albums, actually. And he sings um, and he sang a very... Uh, 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 an Arabic song that he really, he, he didn't need a lot of push doing it. Um, and then China came, it was China's turn to sing it. And um, I, I, I struggled with the dialect because in Arabic, if, if you say one, one, if you say it in a certain dialect, it sounds completely different. And so, I said to Thomas in the moment, I think you should nix the song. I think you should just wow. skip it. And um, we went back and forth on the uh, on why I felt so strongly about this. And he said, let's hear the song. And he pushed play. And the song came on and it was me rehearsing with the I have chills. background singers. Did you know that they were had that recording of you? Yes, absolutely. Because they needed a background to uh-huh. so they can hear the dialect and he said that sounds great he's like we're going back to the studio tomorrow and let's let's see you do it and of course I went back and I have no training and so I felt really uncomfortable doing the song but I did it and I did it to the, because that's how I do things I do them and I work really hard and I just go into it with everything I have then he said, you know, we're going to be in Spain and I'd love for you to perform it with, perform it with us in Perlada, which is the music festival. Um, it's a really big music festival. So immediately after this recording, um, I called Steve, who is doing the uh, recording for the album, and I said, do you have a voice coach? And he said, absolutely. And I hired a vo- voice coach and I've been working with her three to five times a week. Um, for about an hour, an hour and a half, and I work on voice lessons with her. How, how do you find that time, Ikram? I make the time because you mm-hmm. because you have to make the time because you make sacrifices, but you make the time. And so I make banana bread for my children in the morning, and I drop them off at school, and then I come and I do an hour of voice lessons while I'm emailing in front of, you know, answering emails, so I'm multitasking. Um and I think that's uh, – I, I do a lot of multitasking. Um, and how are you feeling? So now you've been asked to do something very much outside your comfort zone. It was something clearly because of the song itself and where it mm-hmm. came from in your life, something meaningful to you. How conscious were you that this was a, a big thing, something that was going to become something in, big in your life? Well, I don't – I I I didn't know, and I was just putt putting around like I do with a lot of other things in my life. I just sort of like I'm going to go with the flow, and I'm going to see what happens with this. I, I think it really hit me hard was when I went to London for one night. I left on a Friday night, arrived on Saturday morning, and I was performing at the Royal Albert Hall. Oh and God. I got on the plane, and I came back home. Um, when I got up on stage in front of 5,000 people at the Royal Albert Hall oh my God. and I looked around and I thought, most artists have played small venues, sometimes with only two or three people to hear them. And other times, most people never even make it, no matter how much this is their passion. 
And I have this incredible obligation to Fairuz, to Thomas, to my children, and most importantly to the people that were listening to the song. And then I had to come through. That's when it really hit me. Because in that moment, I wasn't just singing someone that I um, grew up listening to. I was singing my homeland. I was singing my culture. And I wanted it to be heard in the same way. I want us to, um, I want to listen to the song. So why don't we, um, we'll play the recording for our listeners. Somebody, I you need to 
So, Ikram, you're home. You're back in Chicago. You've just had this heart-exploding experience. You're back in the store, um, in your world. What what do you do with this, and how does this make you feel about your work? Does it change anything? Does it change anything about your thoughts for yourself in the future? Tell us what what happened. And so here's another thing that I come home to, which um, was a was a a very important moment in what was happening with my work and um, and what I was doing outside of work. One of my employees whom is my assistant, who is an amazing guy, um, asked me, what does it feel like? What does it feel like to do the store and you do it really well, mom, and you do it really well, and now this, and you're doing it really well? And I looked at him, and the first words that came out of my mouth was, it's a choice. It is a choice that I make every day to be really good. Not good at things that I do, but to be a really good person. And I failed, I'm sure, many times. Um, but that was, n- that was not, a, that, was, that was, my choice is to be good. So, Ikram, that's that's a really interesting connection that I'd like us to explore for a second because you're suggesting that there's a direct relationship between being good and excelling in what you choose to do. Absolutely, because, you know, when you look at um, – when you read the books when you're young and the super and you read about the superhero and the villain the villain is very cool but he's not good and he doesn't last and when you read about the heroes they're really good and they last and they resonate and you make a choice do you want to be the villain or do you want to be the superhero That's great. and for me it's not, and the reason why I use this reference specifically in this moment is because of my children, because I'm reading a lot of books to them. Harry Potter is the book that we've been reading right now, and I read it out loud to them, and I find myself choking at parts because, and then we have these conversations about understanding being good versus evil, and what does this mean, and the perception, and, but at the end of the day, it's, it's, it's what resonates. I want to connect that to the feeling about taking care of your soul. This was something you said to me on the phone. You said when you were performing that you discovered that there was this piece of yourself that this took care of, that this was caring for, that you didn't even know was a a need. As we said earlier in the show, you have a full life and then some. So what do we say to people about taking care of of their soul? I think you can't be that selfish to only take care of your soul. Wow. I think that you owe it to humanity to take care of you very importantly, but to have the soul to understand other people. You know, I I can't help thinking that 
opening your soul the way you did on stage, um, opening your heart that way, you don't get to choose what comes in. I think everything comes in. And I do think that opening your heart, opening your soul is an act of, in a weird way, is an act of social justice. It is an act of empathy empathetic connection, even though that may not be the motivation. It's a path. I think the question for me would be, how do you inspire someone to have a passion or to fall in love with something or to um, or to pick something and do it? And I and I think the less fear you have, I think I think when you fear, you inhibit yourself from doing things that you would normally want to do. And you don't have to be reckless and you can be thoughtful. But I think giving yourself permission to not be afraid to do something is really, really great. And hopefully from that, you can find something you love and not everybody can have the passion that I have. I get it. I am really, really lucky. I'm lucky. That's just in my DNA. It's my genes. It's my mother. It's my father. Culture. I have no idea where it comes from. I'm just passionate. And so, Ikram, what I, what I, what I hear you saying, which I think is a really important thing to say, especially to people entering their careers, their lives, is it isn't about what you do. It's about how you do it. And whatever it is you're choosing, do it full-throated and you will find yourself in it. Right. But I also, yes, that's absolutely 100%. But I think we've gotten to a place right now in our society, in our generation, and the way that we raise our children is you don't have to do this. You don't have to do this. My mother would kick my ass before she would see me doing what 99% of the millennials do today. And I would yeah. literally get my ass kicked every day until I got it right. And I'm talking physical, like I would have gotten my ass kicked. Yeah. And I, I don't, I always say this when I have interviews in my store. I always say, do not live your life like an Instagram because you have no idea what it took to get that final shot that you so quickly and flippantly tossed over. Ikram, I'm so glad that we did this. And you know that we're doing this on the day that the album is now being released. <laughs> right? How crazy is that? That after all our scheduling craziness, this was the day. I love it. So the album, which I asked Rachel, Rachel speaks beautiful French. Just someone pronounce it so that I don't, I won't. Rachel, you do it. Is it je dis oui? Je dis oui. There you go. See how beautiful that was? (laughs) Je dis oui. Um, Is is out today. Yes, it comes out today. Please buy it. Don't download it. Buy it. The CD is actually very cool. (laughs) And you're on it. Yes, and I'm on it. All right. Ikram Goldman. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We'll be back to the big payoff next week with Rachel and Suzanne. (laughs) 
If you like what you heard, you can find us at BigPayoffRadio.com, on iTunes, on the Acast app, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And please, please rate and review us. It matters. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.